Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Billboard Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. How are you? Hi, Keith. I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm okay. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about the big game known as the Super Bowl mm-hmm, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe maybe some quick thoughts about the halftime performance from the weekend. Um, Ooh, so stay tuned for those quick thoughts. Stay tuned for those quick thoughts. <laughs> is that a threat? Um, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stores, music stores, music stars, and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news about uh, how Super Bowl halftime headliner The Weeknd logs his 12th top 10 hit on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart with Save Your Tears, and how CJ's debut hit, Whoopty also reaches the top 10. Plus, Morgan Wallen stays at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart with a fourth straight week with Dangerous, the double album, in the same tracking week in which TMZ published a video showing Wallen using a racial slur. Hmm. Yeah, and of course, we'll bring you up to speed on the fallout from that video, as well as reaction from the industry. And in less weighty news, in light of the weekend, bringing us something we don't frequently see anymore... That is a new Greatest Hits album in the form of his new The Highlights collection. We wanted to discuss some of our favorite hits albums of the past, why they are now infrequently released, and maybe a few acts that are long overdue for a hits album. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. So let's do the chart chat. Uh, first up on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, as Olivia Rodrigo's Driver's License spins a fourth week at number one, two songs reach the top ten for the first time, as The Weeknd's Save Your Tears and CJ's Whoop D both hit the region. Save Your Tears climbs 14 to 8 with 28 million airplay audience impressions earned in the week ending February 7th, which is up 20% along with 15 million streams, up 7%, and 6,000 copies sold, up 6%. Uh, both of those for the week ending February 4th, according to MRC data. Now that we have all those numbers out of the way, the song becomes the weekend's 12th Hot 100 Top 10. And uh, 
with both of his current top tens, Blinding Lights is at number three, by the way, from his latest album, 2020's After Hours. Uh, the album now has three top tens in total, as Heartless hit number one for one week back in December of 2019. And it feels kind of safe to say that Save Your Tears could go higher next week after we see the full impact of his performance at the Super Bowl halftime where he performed the song, right, Keith? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see sort of what happens in general with The weekend on next week's charts because Bl- yeah. Blinding Lights closed his performance and Blinding Lights is number three right now in the Hot 100. So, like, could it go back to number one? Will Cardi B's single stand in its way? Could it debut at number one? Could it go to number two? Will it fall down? Most likely not. <laughs> no. Um, we don't know. <laughs> I, that last one, not so much. Not so much. Um, also in the top 10 on the Hot 100 this week, Staten Island, New York rapper CJ vaults 16 to 10 with Whoopty, his first chart hit. It climbs with 23.2 million in airplay audience, which is up 12%, 14.6 million streams, which is actually down 4%, and 7,000 sold, which is up 132%. If you're wondering why it was up so much, it had a 69 cent sale price in the iTunes store. So that that helps sometimes. Uh, Lastly, Morgan Wallen's Dangerous, the double album, holds at number one on the Billboard 200 chart for a fourth consecutive week. The album earned 149,000 equivalent album units in the United States in the week ending February 4th. And that's actually up 14% according to MRC data. Uh, The album arrived atop the list three weeks ago on the chart dated January 23rd. Of course, the album's gain and its fourth week atop the list came in the very same tracking week in which TMZ published a video showing Morgan using a racial slur. Um, As previously reported, TMZ posted the video on February 2nd of Wallen yelling expletives in a video that was caught by his, uh, or I should say, a neighbor's uh, doorbell camera. Mm. Um, And one of those expletives was the N-word. Um, He subsequently issued an apology uh, while his record label, Big Loud Records, suspended his recording contract indefinitely, one of many moves that was swiftly made in the aftermath of this. Um, The news broke about the uh, video with two full days left in the charts tracking week, which ended on February 4th. Some other consequences he faced, multiple radio groups dropped his music, which led to just a complete collapse of his songs on the radio. Uh, while his songs were also removed from at least 30 influential playlists, those curated editorial playlists that are on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Um, and also, although Big Loud suspended his recording contract, his music was not removed from any of those digital retailers, and it remains available, of course, in retail stores. So, to say Hmm. the least, swift action was taken, um, when that video came out. Yeah. Uh, obviously that is not reflected in, uh, this week's chart. It will be really fascinating to see what happens in week number five. Well, actually, I mean, to, to, to some of this actually does show up because, because the airplay here is the thing that really tanked and, Mm -hmm. um, his airplay collapsed so much that seven summers, which was his current single on the country airplay chart, like just fell off the chart this week. Wow. Um, so uh, but yeah. as you noted in your articles, um, after the video came out, the sales were up. And so yes, yes. obviously that's reflected in his, his fourth week at number one. Um, 
And, you know, in addition to the action that was taken by all these, you know, business uh, sides of things, uh, his uh, fellow country singers were also swift to speak out on Twitter um, with Mickey Guyton really leading the charge, who is a black country singer who immediately started tweeting and kind of explaining to people why this was as big of a deal as it was and why the actions that were then taken should be taken. And uh, Maren Morris was very vocal. Uh, a lot of people like Kelsey Ballerini and Cassidy Pope, you know, tweeted that this is not Nashville. This is not what country represents. And then some other people tweeted, you know, it kind of is what country represents. And that's why we need to act so swiftly to get it, you know, get this out of there basically. So, and they did. Yeah. So <laughs> here we are. But I mean, just last week, Keith and I were talking about Morgan. I literally said the words, is he the next Taylor Swift? Because of how many records he was breaking. I'm going to say um, at the time that here is one specific way Taylor Swift and Morgan Wallen are absolutely not alike. I think I answered the question in one week. No, nope. the answer is no, he is not the next Taylor Swift. Um, because I, I think for a lot of entities, the uh, the Morgan train stops right here. Um, well, you know, amongst all this, there was other big news in the world of country music, which was sort of lost in all the shuffle. On February 3rd, and this is not part of our script, one half of Brothers Osborne, Grant, a multiple Grammy Award nominated country duo who I've interviewed on red carpets, maybe Katie has too. Uh, one half of them, uh, TJ Osborne, came out uh, and announced that he was gay in a big time story that friend of the podcast, Sam Lansky, uh, wrote the story. Yes. When we were talking about reaction from country artist to Morgan, there was like 10 times positive reaction from country establishment and country artists to tj um oh my gosh it was uh, you have insane. to see our article on billboard which keith i should have given you a reporting credit because keith basically compiled all the reaction um but casey musgraves and again Marin morris and dirk bentley um you know it was really heartening to see and people weren't just like you know great article man they were like went out of their way to be like this guy is brave he's awesome he's my best friend he's this they've got pictures with him like, the support was loud. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Well, time to move on. So now we wanted to talk a little bit about Greatest Hits albums. Yes. You might not think about them much anymore, but um, I wanted to start, you know, since Keith and I do not share an office anymore, I don't get to just, like, throw him anecdotes about my weekend. But here we go. You get to you get to listen in on an anecdote from my weekend. This is the first time hearing about it. I'm stoked. <laughs> so... At I did my, see a picture uh, on your Instagram, though, and you had deviled eggs. That looked like little footballs. They were very cute. Yeah, I do. I love a Super Bowl snack spread, you guys. Like, so even though we literally had, we had one family over. It's the family that works with my husband. Like, the, what their husband works with my husband. So they're our one quarantine family. And we're like, if we're going to do Super Bowl, I'm going to make way too many snacks for these two families. <laughs> is basically what I did. But um, we were watching the Super Bowl halftime with The weekend. And uh, it was fascinating to watch with my friend who I'll just, Justine, we'll talk about Justine freely. <laughs> She'll have to I'll listen, have her this listen week. to the show. She'll be excited. Um, but Justine, as she's watching the show, is like, oh, wait, that's a song by the weekend? Oh, wait, he did that song? And not only was she not aware that these songs were the weekend songs, especially the, the first like 
three or four things that he played. She also was like, but I love these songs. Like, these are songs that I love and hear on the radio. Just I did never, like, associated them with the person who is The Weeknd. I had a feeling that was going to happen, and I have said that to uh, his record label, Republic, a few times in the past week or mm-hmm. so when this when this when wind of this greatest hits album don't call it a greatest hits he's his camp is not calling it a greatest hits but it effectively is yeah. when the highlights was announced and i thought this is perfect because there will be tons and tons of people who are just casual random people who are not paying attention to music as closely as we do and as closely as the people listening to the show do that mm-hmm. may not realize that the man who sang Blinding Lights, which I think most people know Blinding Lights, it's it's an mm-hmm. inescapable song. They did not realize that he he also sang Earned It, which they've certainly probably heard in the past at some point. So that was you know. a great example. People Earned It was one that everyone was, thought that that was like the highlight of the performance, like of his singing of of everything and wow. people once again did not know that was his song. I it's it's mind blowing because of our work. But I she literally was like, "Oh, I'm going to have to add these to my playlist." I'm like, "Well, check out the highlights, you know, collection." Doing a little PR the for the weekend Republic records over there, Katie. <laughs> exactly. But it got Keith and I talking about, you know, while we think of greatest hits collections as maybe being a little unnecessary in the streaming age where you can curate your own playlist, you can listen to a best of the weekend on, you know, on Spotify or whatever. Um, This is an example of where it makes sense. Like, here is a package from this person that you didn't understand, like, stood understand did all of these songs here it is in one neat package for you to consume after this huge performance exactly and keith you actually mentioned another great example of a greatest hits album that made sense uh in this day and age and that was from a a movie a recent movie yeah so queen with the bohemian rhapsody movie um yeah there was a soundtrack to bohemian rhapsody that was released it was just the soundtrack to bohemian rhapsody and it was effectively a greatest hits album but at the same time, while that album was a huge success in the charts and went on to stream out the wazoo and sell really, really well, too, Queen's earlier compilation albums, including Greatest Hits, very simply titled album, as well as um, a couple other compilations they had, all did extraordinarily well. If it's the right audience with the right kind of appeal, a Greatest Hits album that you would purchase is still a viable thing. Um, yeah. Even in the world of just playlisting and streams, because Republic and The Weeknd could have easily just made a streaming playlist, like, here's what you should listen to in the wake of the Super Bowl and have at it. Or they thought, hey, maybe we can curate a cool collection, make some money off of it, too, and put out a new album. Um, because you just... Yes, because they are selling it in a physical yes. copy, too. Yeah, it's, it's, so. it's not all, not, obviously not just on streamers. But you can also buy it as a digital album on iTunes and other places. You can also buy it as a physical album. If you go to Target or Amazon or Best Buy, you can buy the album, which is so weird in these days when greatest hits albums just generally are not released for commercial release anymore. Meanwhile, they used to be the biggest deal. And so, you know, Keith and I were also talking about who we might be surprised to learn has never put out a greatest hits collection. So Keith, who are who are some of those people for you? I mean, I I I have a list that I, I shared with Katie, and they're probably some of the same people that Katie thought of. But 
a lot of people that come from or have their careers heyday in the digital era. So Rihanna, Drake, Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, Beyonce, Nicki Minaj, Coldplay. Did I mention Coldplay? All of which would have had a greatest hits album by now, if not two. I mean, if you look at Rihanna's hits, she has she can have two, a triple album at yeah. this point. Yeah. But they just don't. Um, and I still think that there is a market possibly for some of those people to have a greatest hits album. I think for the weekend it makes great great sense because of the Super Bowl and how he really made a very enormous pop breakthrough with blinding lights last year. I think for him it's the right time. I don't know about the rest of the folks, but those were some of the ones I thought of. And I often I have another one that predated the digital era, which Yes. A C D C. They don't have a greatest hits album. They don't. That's that is an insane one. It is. That's an insane one. Yeah. Um that's okay. You've blown my mind on that one, actually, because I would just assume that they did. I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, it, it feels like there has to be that kind of peg, like a huge performance, like a movie, like any sort of thing, you know, that it makes it so people are discovering someone for the first time. Like, that's that's what it that's what it's all about. Right. Yeah. There's another great example a number of years ago. Um, when Pink put out her greatest hits, and she called it, I think, greatest hits so far. The, sh- the greatest when she put out her greatest hits album, it was in the same year that she performed on the Grammy Awards when she was flying through the air doing glitter in the air when she was wet mm-hmm. and she was f- flinging around with all the silks, and <laughs> that's what she calls it. I really like that description. <laughs> when she was flinging around in the silks, <laughs> so she had this breakthrough moment, and clearly someone said look and she was on oprah winfrey that year and i think people thought look i don't think people are connecting you to all of these songs you have and so in one place you had an album that had get the party started and you know uh her very early kind of r&b there you go there you go hits with glitter in the air so it's like, oh, she did all these songs? It was, I think, the same thing that's happening with The weekend, the same exact thing. Yeah, yeah. That's a really great example. Actually, she uh, opened up for Justin Timberlake um, on... It was must have been the tour for um, Future Sex Love Sounds. Yeah. And, um, and I kind of had that moment with her, even though I knew who she was, obviously. It's pink. But... I had that moment where I didn't realize she had that many hits oh, yeah. until they were all performed for me in one, you know, one after another, after another, after another. She'd be really good on the Super Bowl, actually. Totally unrelated topic. She would be. So so would some. <laughs> She'd be incredible. So would almost all the other people that we mentioned just a second ago. On your list. Yes. Um. So we talked about some of the biggest, greatest hits albums, like for us, or I guess I should say, like for me, I picked ones that were big for me growing up. And since oh. they're about music discovery, that's kind of like what they were used for. For me, it was like, this is the my first entry point into an artist. And then it made me go further and look deeper after that. Um, so Keith and I prepared uh, three greatest hits uh, albums and we did not tell each other <laughs> what they were. Oh, or more, he says. I literally did three. We'll, we'll see how in depth we get here. We only have so much time. Well, I am curious if we're going to overlap at all, which is why I'm going to start with this one. Um, my first one is Madonna's The Immaculate Collection. Oh, my God. We overlap. Ah, there it is. I kind of figured I would just get that right out of the way. Um, for me, 
this this came out in 1990. I would have been uh, eight when it came out. And uh, I loved Madonna's music as a small child, but I did not, I don't think that I was given this album until maybe I was like 10. So I must've been like 92 and it was given to me and it was like, oh my God, I love every single song on this thing. And like made me obsessed with her. This greatest hits made me completely obsessed um, but Keith obviously came at it from a completely different angle because he was already a fan when this came out in 1990, correct? Yeah, and I was like 40 at the time. Um, yeah, right, right. No, I was a little bit older, but not that much older. Um, right. Yeah, the album came out in 1990. It has 17 songs, 15 of which are hits. Two songs are new songs, both of which became top 10 hits, one of which is Justify My Love, which was a number one hit. Um, and she had so many hits at the time that she had to leave off hits. In fact, mm. she left off a number one hit. Who's that girl? Not even on the album. Just wasn't enough room. Sorry. <laughs> um, but it is like the perfect starting point for kind of the nonstop hit-making pure pop 80s Madonna, where mm. just everything she put out was a stone-cold classic hit, effectively. And uh, what they also did with the album, which was really cool, is they kind of lightly remixed some of the tracks and... Um, some of the other tracks are kind of remixed a little bit more. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, but not in such a way where it's annoying. But they, mm. but they also remixed it and and ran it through a, an audio process which was called Q Sound, not Q and on, but Q Sound, um, <laughs> where um, if you played it on a good stereo system in your house or you put on a pair of nice headphones, it would sound like it was in 3D, kind of. Oh. Um, few albums were actually mixed in Q sound. Um, it was this new thing at the time. Um, and I don't even know now if, if you purchase the album, it's in Q sound anymore. Um, mm. but I have my CD from back in the day that was in Q sound. Oh. I do at my parents' house somewhere. So yeah, <laughs> so. it's no surprise that we both agree on the Immaculate Collection. I had a feeling and the, one of the next ones, since we overlapped, I'll go again. Um, another one that I had was, um, James Taylor's greatest hits. Good one. Yeah. And that one, I want to say, I think I came around to in high school. So obviously, this is, you know, long after these songs were around. But um, Fire and Rain was the song that made me come around to it. I just really fell in love with that song. So it was like, oh, I need to hear more James Taylor. Um, it's just the most relaxing collection of songs <laughs> that you've ever heard. Like, this was my peaceful record. Like, it was just like the one I listened to when I like wanted something like really nice in the background. Tranquil while study I was... music. Exactly, exactly. But then, of course, it made me discover more James Taylor as well. But to me, this Greatest Hits album is one of those ones that, because of how I consumed it, like I consumed it as an album, to me it feels like an album it feels like a, a project as opposed to just a playlist or a collection of things hmm. but that's probably because of how i i listen to it right. you know friend of the podcast okay. james taylor by the way oh my god that's so crazy i know it's like, <laughs> sure james taylor's been on the show uh, of course he has right right okay what's your next one um well um so i you came at it from a different direction which if i thought of maybe the greatest hits albums that i first got when I was younger that kind of informed I would have come at this from a different point of view um that said mine's mine's kind of a mix because if I did it that way I would have immediately thought of like oh like like um Bob Marley's legend 
you know, mm-hmm. which is a great entry point, or Journey's Greatest Hits. It's a great, a great entry mm-hmm. point. Or uh, New Order's Substance, which is, I think, out of print now. Those are all great. They, they do what a Greatest Hits album is supposed to do. Gives you the hits, gives you a sampler platter, and then if you really like what you heard, read the liner notes and see which albums you should buy or listen to. Yep. Um, yeah. Putting those aside, because they're all those are all great. <laughs> um, I was going to suggest The Beatles 1. Oh, duh. Yeah. Yes. Well, because... All 27 songs on the album went to number one, either on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in America or the official UK singles chart. Um, In fact, all of the acts number ones from both countries are included on this album, except for the song For You Blue, which was one half of the double A sided number one hit, The Long and Winding Road slash For You Blue. Um, If ever there was a Greatest Hits album that does what it says, this is it. Um, yeah. Of course, that comes at a cost. Uh, since this misses anything that wasn't a number one hit, and the Beatles had a lot of songs that weren't number ones or just were never released as commercially available singles, like any that are very iconic Beatles songs. Anything from the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album, for example. So, yeah. In addition to this, you could always also go to the two greatest hits albums that the Beatles have. One is called 1962 to 1966, also known as the Red Album. And 1967 to 1970, also known as the Blue Album, they cover 54 of the Beatles' best-known songs from their career. It's stellar. So if you like the one, go for those. And then if you like those, you'll start buying their studio albums and voila. And listen, you should just listen to everything, by the way. There's that too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Don't leave anything there's out. No, there's no clunkers there, really. No. Um, my final one, and this will surprise no one and definitely won't surprise Can I Keith. guess? Go for it. Is it the Eagles' greatest hits? Yes, it is. The first, one of the, the best-selling albums of all time. The first, the first uh, one, volume one. Yes, it is uh, the one with the blue cover with the, the skull on it. That's, I believe, 1971 to 1975 is what I have written in my notes here. Okay. And I had the cassette as a small child and listened to it. Like, I, I probably could just, like, start singing Take It Easy and then sing, like, all the way through Best of My Love, just, like, from the entire, do the whole, every single track. Um, they've since done lots of different versions of their Greatest Hits album. They've added more. They've done, like, a double album. But to me, the cassette tape of that original one is what made me, as a child, fall in love with Eagles and uh, make me still obsessed with them to this very day. Wow. I knew you were going to get the Eagles in there somewhere. Obviously. Um, so my last one, I actually have last two, but I'll say them quickly. Um, <laughs> Duran Duran's Greatest. Um, it was released in 1998. It has all 15 of the band's top 40 hits on the Hot 100, plus key tracks that were not chart hits, um, but we all know, like Girls on Film. Um, it's the perfect starting place to get into Duran Duran. Also, Olivia Newton-John's Magic. The very best of Olivia Newton-John. I don't think this is on digital retail, and I don't think it's on streamers, but you can still buy it as a CD. has 21 songs, all 15 of her top 10s on the Hot 100. Um, It's the perfect place to start diving into Olivia Newton-John. Like, if you only know her from Greece, if you're someone who remembers her vaguely on Glee when she showed up once and did physical with Sue Sylvester... Oh, oh it's, it's crazy to think of how many, like, people younger than us only know, like, certain songs or stars if from anything. Glee. <laughs> if anything. It's like, she, she they did physical once on Glee. 
that's mm-hmm. that's that's your entry point. Um, <laughs> it's it's great because it it she's had such a, a weird career where she started off as like a country singer, and then she had a lot of sort of adult contemporary type songs, and she moved into Greece, and then she did some sort of like pop stuff and then she flew into physical and it was like whoa and then so it's just it's just like this nice cross-section of a very varied career also a friend of the podcast by the way um that actually is a good point of greatest hits albums too you get like wild you know diversity of styles and genres when you're pulling from so many different albums and eras which is which is cool so um i have i i would have more but i'm gonna stop because we just can't. Yeah, we could obviously do this all day, but um, this is just our love letter to uh, Greatest Hits collections. Uh, you can tell we're from a time, because if you're under a certain age, you're just like, what's the Greatest Hits? What? I don't have those CD do things you, mean you speak of. Do you a playlist? Of. What is this cassette you stalked about there, Katie? Um, well, let's wrap up with the chart stat of the week. And it's another round of Quiz Katie. Oh, goodness. Who had the first Greatest Hits album to hit number one? And in, here's the hint. It's a friend of the podcast. Oh, good hint. And not not somebody we've mentioned or is somebody we mentioned? Not someone we've mentioned. Okay. And I'll, the other hint is it's from a very long time ago. Oh, okay. Um like decades before we were born. Well, decades <laughs> makes me think like um your Christmas interview with um uh Johnny uh <laughs> Mathis. Thank, is that right? Thank God you got it. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Uh, Johnny Mathis. I did it all like one little piece at a time, but yeah, that was a good hint. Um, yeah, so so back on June 9th, 1958, Johnny Mathis uh, not only got his first number one album, but also brought the first greatest hits compilation to number one as his simply titled Johnny's Greatest Hits topped the list for the first of three non-consecutive weeks at number one. Uh, so... Uh, and and it, a lot of people have written about this album saying how it was basically the start of what we now know as greatest hits albums mm. because it was it was not a familiar concept and someone had the bright idea of like let's take a bunch of these Johnny singles put them onto an album and call it greatest hits and <laughs> look at what he brought us from Johnny Mathis to the weekend in 2021 <laughs> And that's how you draw a straight line from Johnny Mathis to the weekend. The only way you can do it. (laughs) Um, So there you have it. Uh, Back in 1958, Johnny Mathis brought the first greatest hits album to number one. All right. We've reached the end of our uh, supersized mega compilation hits filled show. Who knew greatest hits was going to just spark so much conversation. I love. Okay. See, here's the thing. If you're like a chart weirdo um, or a chart aficionado, um, there was a time when you would love to talk about greatest hits albums and like, oh, what did they leave off? What did they miss? What hit mm. did they put on? Did they put the right version of the song on there? Is it the song that people know? Is it an edited version? Ooh, is it mm-hmm. a remix? And it was just like, I would fall into a rabbit hole on allmusic.com and read reviews of like, just because I wanted to know like, was this the ultimate greatest hits? And like, you can almost never find the perfect, perfect greatest hits album. They just don't exist yeah. because someone's always going to quibble with it. And that's why it's fun to discuss this sort of thing. Much like when people argue about who was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or who won an award for this, because there's always so much subjectivity to it. Yeah. Even when you have a very simple thing of saying, are these their biggest hits? Because someone's going right. to say, well, just because it wasn't number one doesn't mean it wasn't a hit. See, that's well, you have numbers to back these things up, but I guess things can feel like more of a hit than they were also. Yeah. So, uh, what song should we go out on? 
Maybe we should go out on a song that was released new on a Greatest Hits album. Okay, well... Like, that makes me think of, like, wasn't Raise Your Glass yes. that on Pink's album? Okay, we'll see you guys next time. Bye! It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.